Well, it's appropriate to think about almost dying on the zip line or the giant swing as we enter into our final passage in Haggai because I feel like this final passage in Haggai is kind of like saying to the people of Israel, okay, this is the first day of the rest of your life. You're going to be sent out of here and it's a new day, people. It's a new day. It's the first day of the rest of your life. It's like New Year's Day or the start of a new season or the first day of school. It's actually this day is kind of like graduation day. It's kind of like um, a ceremony where you like at graduation, you look back over the the last four years or or longer, I suppose. I'm thinking high school, four years, or if you're in college, you know. Uh, you look back and you think about what you've come through, but you do it in a way that looks to the future, right? You're not just going to stay in the past. You're like commemorating this day of all this work that you've done, and you are ready to go for the future. Well, that's what this day is. And last night, Alexis said, there are two oracles on this day, so it must have been a special day. And it is. Today is the commemoration of the foundation of the temple being laid. It's like, I want to do another round of applause for these people, you know? They've done it. They've laid the foundation of the temple. I'm going to read the whole passage for us, but I just want you to see it um, so that when I read through it, you'll notice it. If you just look in uh, Haggai 2, verse 18... This is uh, the 24th day of the ninth month. He says, are considered from this day onward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, since the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. That's the day. It's the day to commemorate that they have finished the foundation and they're going out from here. They've got lots more work to do. It's only been four months since the start of the book. And it took something like four and a half years to build the whole thing. I mean, the foundation is just one little part, right? So Haggai's leaving them with this, like, you're going to do it. I, I want you to go out. It's almost the, the phrase, keep on keeping on. I want you to keep on keeping on. That's what God is saying to them through Haggai. So no matter where we've come from in our places in life to this point today, And we almost have to put ourselves in Israel's shoes. Like, we started there four months ago was our, like, four hours ago, right? We just started hearing Haggai's messages this morning. But imagine four months have passed now from the first day that they heard, listen, consider your ways and go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house. Well, now it's four months later, and they've gone through discouragement and, oh, it's been hard. But they've now started. They've gotten off to a really good start. So God is going to do what he's going to do in this, these two oracles on this ceremonial day. Uh, he is going to tell them, well, he's going to tell them three things. He's going to tell them who they are. I mean, just think of a graduation ceremony. It's very similar. Who they are, where they've come from, and what they have to look forward to. So who they are, where they've come from, and what they have to look forward to. So we might actually hear some repetition from earlier in the book because he's going to repeat a little bit of where they've come from. But just remember, this is four months on, right? This is four months since the start of the book. So 
as God's people, we need to be reminded of things frequently, don't we? <laughs> so that's not a surprise. All right, let me go ahead and read the passage for us so we're familiar. Haggai 2, starting in verse 10. On the 24th day of the ninth month in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Ask the priests about the law. If someone carries holy meat in the fold of his garment and touches with his fold bread or stew or wine or oil or any kind of food, does it become holy? The priest answered and said, No. Then Haggai said, If someone who is unclean by contact with a dead body touches any of these, does it become unclean? The priest answered and said, It does become unclean. Then Haggai answered and said, So is it with this people and with this nation before me, declares the Lord, and so with every work of their hands. What they offer there is unclean. Now then, consider... From this day onward, before stone was placed upon stone in the temple of the Lord, how did you fare? When one came to a heap of 20 measures, there were but 10. When one came to the wine vat to draw 50 measures, there were but 20. I struck you and all the products of your toil with blight and with mildew and with hail, yet you did not turn to me, declares the Lord. Consider... From this day onward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, since the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider, is the seed yet in the barn? Indeed, the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have yielded nothing, but from this day on, I will bless you. The word of the Lord came a second time to Haggai on the 24th day of the month. Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying... I am about to shake the heavens and the earth and to overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I am about to destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the nations and overthrow the chariots and their riders and the horses and their riders shall go down, everyone by the sword of his brother. On that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you, O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shealtiel, declares the Lord, and make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. Let me pray. God, speak now, for we are listening. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but the opening uh, lines of this ceremonial speech are kind of weird. Did anybody catch, like, he's offering this pop quiz to the priests about clean and unclean things? What he's trying to do here is he's trying to remind them who they are, even though we have an odd start. Let's look at it again. What does he say? It starts in, let's see, the quiz starts in verse 12. If someone carries holy meat in the fold of his garment and touches with his fold bread or stew or wine or oil, or any kind of food, does it become holy? And we could probably all answer with the priests and say, no. Right? We, we understand that very clearly. This is not that hard of a pop quiz for the priests. No, of course not. And then, uh, vice, vice versa, or the, the, the opposite, he goes on in verse 13, 
If someone who is unclean, so not holy, but someone who is unclean by conduct with a dead body touches any of these, does it become unclean? I'm sure we could all answer with the priest and say, it becomes unclean. Absolutely. Okay, just think of it this way. Imagine it's summertime and it's super hot and you decided to go down the shore and you're sitting on the beach and you are so thirsty because... It's really hot. So you grab your water bottle, and there's just like a little bit in there, just like maybe enough to quench your thirst, but you really want more than that. So you think there is a whole ocean of water out there. If I just go out there and take some of that salt water and put it with, you know, my little bit of clean water, that should be all right, right? Because there's clean water in here, and that'll cancel out the salt water. I'm being ridiculous. You all know that like, how is she doing that? No. (laughs) The unclean salt water is impenetrable. Like it goes into the clean water and defiles it. It, In in other words, what Haggai is trying to say is um, uncleanness is catchier than holiness. You can't catch holiness. You can't like rub something holy against something else and make it holy. It's kind of like if you're born into a Christian family, that doesn't actually make you a Christian, right? Or because you hang out with Christians, that doesn't like rub off on you and make you a Christian. You're actually hanging out with sinners, and so it just keeps you being a sinner, in fact. It, it, it's this idea that you can't, you, we can't ever catch holiness. The only way we can be declared holy is through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's actually his holiness that's imposed on us. And that's how we're counted holy. I can't get holiness from any of you in here. I wish I could. I wish I could just, you know, rub up against you. Have like a whole bunk room of holy people and that would solve my problems but this is not how it works who like who are the israelites who are we in this room we are an unclean people we need a holy god he's trying to remind them just because you are laying the foundation of the temple i think this is his point just because you are working on the house of the lord just because you are obeying me just because you're doing this godly work that doesn't mean you're holy Holiness only comes from God. That's it. That's the only way it comes. It's, it's good for us to remember that, you know, on the first day of the rest of our lives as we leave here. We're not going to be like, I went to a retreat this weekend and I'm more holy than ever. You know, we can't say that. Like, we're as holy as we'll ever be because of Jesus Christ. That's it. That's who we are. So that's what he's doing here with this first section of who we are. Let's move on to the looking towards the past. And these are some very familiar words. Um, He's going to look to the past because he's about to give them a blessing. But it, it works better if you give the blessing in the context of understanding where you've come from. Okay? So that's what he's trying to do here. He wants to bring their minds to the past so that they can better look forward. Like a graduation ceremony. Think of all that hard work you put in and now move forward. Okay, so here he says in verse 15. 
Here's our word consider. At least in my version it says consider. I think other versions say give careful thought or think about carefully. This is a repetition in the book of Haggai. So verse 15, consider from this day onward before stone was placed upon stone of the temple of the Lord. How did you fare? Now here's the familiar language, but remember it's four months later. Okay, so they haven't heard this in a while. Just imagine that. He says, when one heap came, when one came to a heap of 20 measures, there were but 10. When one came to the wine vat to draw 50 measures, there were but 20. I struck you. Again, it's God's work. I struck you and all the products of your toil with blight and with mildew and with hail. Yet you did not turn to me. These are the exact same troubles of chapter 1. I don't think he's doing this to um, beat them over the head with their previous sins. I, I don't think he's trying to cut them down. I mean, he's about to give them an amazing blessing, better, like a, a, a different blessing than, than we've even heard in the book. So he's not, he's not try, trying to tear them down. But, I mean, think about it in your own life. Have you ever thought, okay, here we go. We're going we're gonna to keep, we're going to build this temple, but... Let's just have a debrief session here. I, I, we, we actually do this at my, um, the organization that I work with all the time. We have debrief sessions, feedback sessions, and we talk about all the ways things went wrong so that we can make progress for the future. It's really good to take stock of what happened so that moving forward, we don't do the same things. Like that's what he's trying to do here. So as they, as they lay the temple of the foundation, they have a lot more work to do. And so he's just trying to say, consider, remember, don't do that again. Remember back what happened. And so consider from this day onward how you will live anew. And he says that word consider three times in this section. I just read in verse 15, now then consider from this day onward. And then he says it again in verse 18, consider from this day onward. And then at the very end of that verse 18, again, consider. Do you think he's trying to get them to consider? Right? Three times, like they're not missing the point. Give careful thought to this. Don't forget it. Don't forget your four years of study. Don't throw it all out the window. Remember it. Consider it. And then verse 19 talks about the present. He's going to subtly shift now from the past and bring their minds to the present and say, Is the seed yet in the barn? Because again, it was the agricultural crop that was their problem. So he says, Is the seed yet in the barn? Indeed, the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, the olive tree have yielded nothing. They haven't yielded anything yet. But from this day on, I will bless you. He is saying no matter your agricultural success or not, it doesn't matter because what I have told you is that I am with you. That's your blessing. He's bringing the blessing of God's presence back into their minds. We've already seen this blessing. We, we saw it in chapter 1, verse 13. 
He says, I am with you, declares the Lord. We saw it in chapter 2, verse 4. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord. The end of verse 5, my spirit remains in your midst. He's bringing that up again. You guys are about to go finish completing this temple. It's going to take you four years to do it. I will bless you from this day onward. doesn't matter what your crop does. You will be blessed because I will be with you. He's reminding them again about that. And again, imagine... I mean, to us, we might be like, oh, golly, we just heard about this. But it's four months later. It is. It's so much further down the line. They need to hear this message again, that God will be, we, God will be with them so that they can keep on keeping on. Well, I wonder how much they believe it, and I wonder if we believe this. I mean... It's been really great to hear about these truths and be reminded of them, be excited about them. But Haggai's got one more speech, because it's a special day. He's got one more speech that he's going to use to seal the deal. If if you're like kind of on the edge here, you're like, I know, I've heard that. He's got one more speech to assure them of God's promise, of God's blessing. He has one more speech, in fact, to be recorded for us so that we may be assured. And it's new information. So it's exciting. He's not just recounting things that we've already talked about. It's actually new information. It's a new blessing. I almost want to say he saved the best for last, but honestly, this is all so good that I can't, I can't say that, but it's really good. It's really good. This is what they have to look forward to. Look at the final speech there in verse 20. Again, we're going to have um, some repetition of ideas here. But here's, a, here's the, the marked difference. Notice in verse 21, Haggai does not speak to everyone. He speaks to one person. I, th- I mean, they're all at the dedication ceremony of the foundation of the temple. But he is speaking to one specific person, Zerubbabel, the governor, the governor of Judah. It says in verse 21, speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying... And here's what we already know. I'm about to shake the heavens and the earth and to overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I'm about to destroy the strength of the kingdoms and of the nations and overthrow the chariots and their riders and their horses and their riders shall go down. Everyone by the sword of his brother. And then verse 23, on that day when everything will be shaken, I will take you, O Zerubbabel, my servant, son of Shealtiel, declares the Lord, and make you like a signet ring. For I have chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. Zerubbabel is God's chosen ruler. That's what the signet ring means. To have the signet ring means you have the seal of the leader. You you are God's ruler. You are God's king. He, God says, I am giving you the signet ring. You will be like a signet ring. You will be the one to overthrow kingdoms. You will be the one to destroy the nations. Will that be Zerubbabel? I mean, the people of Haggai's day, 
they know who Zerubbabel is. We don't even really know how to pronounce that name. Alexa and I had to kind of get together on this before we started last night. They know who he is. He is in the line of David. Zerubbabel is in the line of David. And if that doesn't give you pause to think, oh, wow, that's cool, David. He's in the line of somebody else. And I want us to see it with our own two eyes. I want us to flip in our Bibles to the right, go a couple of pages to Matthew chapter 1. If you go to Matthew chapter 1, we have this list of people that we frequently skip over because we don't know who these people are. But there's going to be a name in here that we recognize and we're going to be jumping out of our seats because we just can't believe it's actually there. Okay, see that, okay, this is in the line of David. So let's just start in verse 6. It says there, Jesse, the father of David, the king, David is the king, and David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. And then it goes on with more names until you get to verse 12. And at verse 12, it says, And after the deportation to Babylon, or the exile to Babylon, when God's people were exiled away, the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father, and Jeconiah, by the way, was, a, was king of Judah, okay, in the line of David. Obviously, it's in the genealogy. Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, well, that's kind of familiar. And Shealtiel is the father of Zerubbabel. We now know that name. Isn't that awesome? That's so fun. I just love that. I don't know who any, lots of these people are. I know some of them. But I didn't know who Zerubbabel was until I studied Haggai. And then I'm like, what? That's amazing. God keeps his promises. Even through exile, even through war-torn and ravaged lands, God keeps his promises. He wants to be with us with the building of the temple, and he's going to keep his king on the throne, and he does. He did then to Zerubbabel, and then, can I just keep going in this genealogy and come across a name that, oh, maybe some of us might happen to know? Skip down to verse 16, and it says, Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. Did the people of Haggai's day even know what was about to happen? I mean, it was going to be a couple of centuries later. But our timing is not God's timing. He has a plan. He has a plan for his king to sit on the throne. He has a plan for his king to rule with his people. Because the temple, again, is the place where God meets with his people, and the king rules over that. And Jesus is the ultimate king in this genealogy that we see. It ends there with the Christ. We don't need anybody after him. He's all we need. I mean, you think about, I agree. That's right, Leah. I mean, you just, you just think about this. I mean, the work that God is doing with his people, you think if God's plan was to just bring Christ, well, why didn't he just do it then? 
I don't know the answer to that. I really don't. He decided that he wanted his people to learn something through build, building this temple. And I think today, why doesn't the Lord just come back? Like, I'd really like him to come back on some days. I don't know. We don't know. Maybe God's trying to teach us something through it. Maybe he wants us to consider and remember and rejoice in the blessing that's going to come. So all of us are going to leave here today, and I, I, I hope we're going to leave here thinking, I'm on board. I'm on it. I believe it. These promises, I'm clinging to them. I am. But I know my own life, and I know two months from now, I'm not going to really remember that this like moment that we all shared together. I mean, I might remember the swing moment with Elizabeth and Steph. That's pretty great. But I hope we, me we remember this moment when we are reminded and just so enamored with how God would put this plan together for us that I hope in two months' time, in four months' time, we would even perhaps remind one another of these promises because they needed to be reminded unless the Lord comes back. And then we'll just see him face to face and we'll know. But if he doesn't, we're going to need to remind each other about these truths. We're, we're going to need to, I'm going to need to be reminded about these truths because today is the day I mean, in this passage, this day is repeated several times as well. Like this specific day going forward, consider from this day forward, I need to keep on keeping on. And then I need you to remind me when I fail to keep on keeping on. I need to be enamored and maybe learn some more of these names in the genealogy, perhaps. See who else is there to like really excite me and get me fired up about how God keeps his promises. I, I need you to remind me to be encouraged that even though I can be in a place that seems like there's no hope, God comes to meet me anyway. Because God has a plan that secures my eternal future no matter how often I mess up. He came to us while we were far off. He wants to be with us. So as we finish our time in Haggai, I just encourage us to, well, as we learned this morning, restore God to his proper place in our lives. That we would recognize him for who he has been all along. He's never changed. He's the same God in Haggai as he is today, as he was in Jesus' day, as he is today. He's the same God all along, and he will be eternally. That's our God. That's our Christ, who has secured us forever. Let me pray. God, you are our glorious God. You are our glorious God who seeks to be with us and bless us, and that is a promise almost, almost that I don't even want to take. But I can take it because you remind me, though I'm unclean, you make me holy in Christ. 
So I cling to your promise. We cling to your promises. And we look forward to the blessing to come. Lord, help us as we leave this place, as we leave Haggai, that we would remember its truths and that we would glory in the truths of your word. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen.